It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. <laughs> Where's the last place you traveled? I actually was just in New York over the weekend. Um, <gasps> what you do? I went to Winter Jazz Fest okay. and Under the Radar to see some experimental theater. Okay. And I prototyped this kind of new opera okay. um, festival. It was okay. super unplanned. A bunch of friends of yeah. mine who used to live in the city and I used to visit a lot were back in town. One's in L.A. and he's oh. normally... He last came through town when he was touring as the saxophone player for Father John Misty. I don't know if you know who that is, uh, a singer-songwriter. No. Um, while he was back in town, the okay. little reunion of his band, I used to see a lot. And it was okay. crazy cheap. Very few points. Oh, I'm like, yeah. shit, I'm just going to fly out for the well, weekend. yeah, why not? Was yeah. it brutal weather? Or? No, weather was beautiful. Really? Yeah. They, they, had not, they have not they gotten this yet. I think okay. it was coming. When I flew back yesterday, so I got the impression it. it was on its way in. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's probably not very pleasant today. That's my guess. Well, well done you. Thank you. I mean. <laughs> Once in a while. It doesn't Once happen in a while. often. I've only been to New York when it's been beautiful weather. So I've lucked out. Yo, absolutely. Hardcore. Yes. Unless it rains. And then it's it, torrential. Yes. Yeah. There's very little light rain that I've ever seen in New York. No, same. No, it just piles down. How often do you go out to the city? I generally go. I try to go twice a year. Okay. Uh, when I was w- working for Chase, they would send they would send me there once or twice a year, depending on what department I was in. So okay. that was nice to fit in some stuff in the evenings. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I haven't done that in a while. Okay. But do you try to go see shows when you're out there? A little bit. I try to. I try to see one or two theater things. Mm-hmm. I try to see a handful of music shows. I try to I try to hit a bunch of museums. Okay. I try to balance it okay. out. Okay. You I, are a museum person? Yes. Oh, yeah. What, any particular kind of museum or just? G- generally modern art. That, okay. That's more my thing. Okay. Very good. I'm not a museum person. I'm a bad tourist. <laughs> I'd rather just walk and see and figure things out. That's rather not, than... That is not a bad tourist. That is a, that is a good yeah. way to be. It's hiding under the tourist radar, I guess. <laughs> yes. And I and I do a lot of that too. I, yeah. I just wandering around. I yeah. enjoy their handful of bartenders I know and I'll stop in nice. and then check in with okay. you know, my pal Teresa at Radio Bar this time. Okay. Where do you typically stay then when you go? Generally, Ann's mom has a timeshare that there's a building part of that's right by Grand Central. So okay. if we're going together, we generally do that. Yeah. If I'm going solo like this, it's what's cheap and as centrally located as I can get this mm-hmm. time. 75 bucks a night on 14th Street. Yep. Ha- bathroom down the hall. That's but all you need. Exactly. Right. It's not like you're going there to stay in a hotel That's right. room. Right. Yes. I, it's not like I'm sitting around watching television. Nope. I've been traveling the last couple of years with my eldest kiddo who yeah. gets peopled out very easily. So, so that's you, been you kind need of a our, little more of a room then. Probably. Yeah. A little, I mean, to a degree of more so just like, where are we going to be safe? Yeah. Because at eventual, uh, they're going to be like, I'm, I'm done. And I say, great. I'm going to go meet friends. Right. You're safe in here. Yep. I will check in. 100%. Yep. Last one, it was so tiny. The bed jutted out so far. I mean, we both had ankle bruises from kicking it both times. However, it was cheap. It was like a Yotel. Have you heard of oh, these places? Yes. Yep. Actually, wasn't too bad. I, we stayed in one. I think was part of that chain in okay. Madrid last mm. fall, and it was. It, you're right, very it small, but it was lovely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was clean and yeah, a little more open perhaps than I would have. No, you you, you had one of the ones where the bathroom didn't have its own door. Nope. 
Ann and I had that one yeah. that stayed in. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's okay. Yes. It's, right. I mean, you wasn't, know. Wasn't terrible. No. But. It Again, it suffice for what it was worth. And the kid just wanted to watch TV and play on the phone anyway. So, and yeah. I went out and met up with friends. Perfect. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the last Broadway show you've seen then? Last Broadway I saw, we saw um, that revival of Merrily We Roll Along last fall. So was it Daniel Radcliffe? Yes. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Jonathan Groff. Lindsay Mendez and yeah, yep. Jonathan Groff. Was it amazing? It was stunning. It was the first version that got all the characters. It was the, okay. fir- it was the first time, and because Ann and I always debrief at Sardis or Joe Allen's mm-hmm. or someplace in the neighborhood before we go off and do whatever our evening stuff is. Yeah. And it was the, we talked about, it's the first version that really got Franklin Shepard's fatal flaw isn't ambition. It's he's a people pleaser. Mm. That's the hamster wheel he's running around. Got it. Got it. Which one is Franklin then? The 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 guy the guy everybody hates. The, is that Daniel Radcliffe yeah. or no, is that no, Jonathan Groff? Okay. Oh, just the three of them though. It, the, yeah, oh the gosh. singing was great. The the comedic timing was great, and it really. It, nobody was a caricature. You know, sometimes yeah. Mary Flynn is just this really abrasive Dorothy Parker imitation, mm-hmm. and they managed to avoid that. Mm. That's amazing. And we had, and so we kind of scheduled a whole kind of not quite fifties mid century day. Yeah, we, went, we did that, and then we went out to Brooklyn, had dinner at Bamonti's, this hundred year old Italian place, and then Eli Paperboy Reed, who I've been a fan of since he came through town in two thousand six, two thousand seven, yeah. on his first record, um, he was celebrating his fortieth birthday and doing an enti- a show. Doing all of the Sam Cooke's One Night at the Harlem Square Club record. Oh, my gosh. At, at a union pool, which is a block away from Bamonte's. So That sounds amazing. So so we did a whole day that had yeah. kind of a theme. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Do you ever stay home? That's my first question. I I, I, I usually <laughs> need a couple days in a week to chill out, okay. read a book, and okay. recharge. Yeah. But you're, I mean, four or five nights a week, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Besides just reviewing and— yeah. I mean, that probably takes up a good bit of time, but you're out seeing shows and... Yeah. What is your ideal Columbus Day then? If you had no obligations. My ideal Columbus Day, I mean, I'd have... I'd have lunch someplace that's... That I don't... I go... That I'm aware of, but I don't go super often. Uh, usually... Okay. Um, Thai or... Mm-hmm. There's that, that great Yemeni place on Cleveland Avenue mm-hmm. or Lolly Bella Ethiopian over on Hamilton. Um, wow. Or way down yonder down on the south end. Okay. And then... And then I'd see Smart. Um, I'd either... Either... The, Google, um, the Wexner Center or mm-hmm. the Columbus Museum or Gallery. Uh, no Place mm-hmm. always has something great up. Um, nice. A couple of the other short north galleries that still exist are always mm-hmm. good. I'd see I'd see some art. I'd have some okay. solo, I'd have some solo time to let something sink in. Yeah. And then I'd have a couple of drinks at some place that I'm not a super regular. That's a time Saturday afternoons or a time I'll usually hit the Rockmore or I'll hit okay. um Fado over at Easton. And yeah. Places where I know some bartenders, I know some people who mm-hmm. are likely to stop in. I'll have some conversations. Yeah. But I'm not gonna get sucked into the vortex right. for several hours. Right. And then meet up with Anne, have dinner someplace, and then some kind of music, probably. Awesome. And any kind of music? Are you a jazz fan, I'm, particularly? I'm a big, I'm a big jazz guy. I used to write for Jazz Columbus when my friend Andrew Patton was editing it. But okay. I, I see a lot of rock and roll. I see a lot of singer songwriter stuff. Mm-hmm. I, my tastes are. I used to say that my tastes are kind of narrow, but they're in every genre. But that's I've loosened up. I okay. I don't like everything, 
but Fair. I can usually find something. You can find like. something. Yes. Is there any genre that you were like, nope, don't enjoy? <sighs> Not really. Hmm. There are some recorded sounds, like a lot of 80s music. That gated drum sound on a lot of 80s records. Okay. And that really tinny synth sound. Yeah. Bananas. I do not like at all. Interesting. But in terms of live, there's no particular genre I turn my nose up at. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like live music, though. Right. That was, honestly, I mean, of course, I miss theater over COVID. But live music was just something that was, because I think we got so inundated with wonderful folks who were willing to play on a screen. Yes, right, right. But to be in the room. It's not the same. It's It's not not the same. When everything started to lighten up, I think it was, Ben, what was it, 21 maybe? When Billy Zen came in? Oh, man. That was magic. Billy Zen came in for a podcast. Oh, that guy's great. He brought his guitar like weeping in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was the first time that I had heard someone play in the room. Right. Since COVID. Oh yeah. And it just, yeah. I mean, it, it brought me to tears and I mean, of course it's Billy too. Who's yeah one of the sweetest souls on the face of the planet, <laughs> but oh my gosh, did you, so where did you grow up then? I grew up, um, on the hilltop, I grew up on the west side through okay. through middle school, and then well, I was born in Germany, but I was back. Oh my gosh! My okay, parents, my parents were both in the army. Oh okay. And uh, but I've been back since before kindergarten. Yeah. Um, and then I grew up on the west side through middle school, and I went to Grove City for high school. Okay, very good. Did you do music and theater in school? No, I no I attempted a little bit in college. I tried acting briefly, and it I'm a better appreciator of both those okay. things. Then I would participate. Which I know, is an art within itself. I know a handful of chords on the guitar, but no, yeah. not in any way anyone would ever, not even paid any, not even in a way that would give me peace. Yeah. Not even in a way that would, <laughs> <laughs> that would be therapeutic for me. Oh, that's amazing. But it, I mean, you do sing and play and understand the arts, obviously, right. on your own. I have love some, them. I have some degree of appreciating how hard it is. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Where'd you go to college then? OSU. The Ohio yes. State. Uh-huh. What did you study? English. So did you want to do journalism? Was that a thing? <sighs> Not really. because okay. Partly because at the time it was, there were already all these signs on the wall that journalism was dying. And also that was the period when OSU had lost their accreditation for their journalism school. So okay. even if that had been an option, it yeah. sure wasn't going to be there. No. So you just went straight English. Yeah. yeah, I went straight English. Okay. Fiction and poetry. Mostly what I studied. Were you a poetry writer? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. All right. There, I, and there, there are still people in this town who have seen me read on a stage. It's okay. been 20 years. but Yeah. Yes. Did you have a certain style that you enjoyed more I than? was more of a free verse guy. Okay. Um, I, I enjoyed playing with forms. I had mm-hmm. a couple of pantoums back there. I had a villanelle or two in the closet. But I those were more exercises. Because okay. you read someone who did it really well, like Tom Dish or Marilyn <clears throat> Hacker, and mm-hmm. it's just there's I couldn't even get close to that. Man. I think I was a, a rhyming poet until I got to college and realized like it's not really a thing anymore. Because <laughs> I I did I took I had my creative writing minor, which All was right. merely nice. because I had enough credits and it was not <laughs> like pursuing the passion. Right. I just wanted to take some poetry and some playwriting and like oh I. I got a minor. Cool. About as useful as the theater major, I suppose. <laughs> Thanks, Otterbein. But <clears throat> I didn't, 
I, I, I was always fascinated, especially when we had to read poetry in front of each other in class. It was mortifying just to hear what your peers would say about something that you slaughtered over. And right. Oh, right. Like, is this good? I mean, I guess it's like singing. You know, how does one person say that one person's better than another? Or, you know, it might not fit your happy place. Right. I mean, I guess that's what you do in life right now. <laughs> oh, and, and it's hard. And you have to figure out, is this not lining up with my taste? Yeah. Versus, is this not what it's going for? Right. So, and that's interesting yeah. because I obviously can't sing for worth a damn. But <laughs> if you... Well, as, as you were learning to be a singer, did you guys critique in the same way we would do in writing or you would do in studio art? Um, when we did, opinion. in college, we had to do these vocal studios. So your voice teacher would have all of the people in the studio sing in front of each other. That was the most mortifying because there was always one or two people that had an opinion about everybody. Right. And didn't really need to have an opinion about everybody. But it was, and being a non-vocal major, because I just majored in theater. Okay. Um, and singing was just sort of like, guess I'll do it. <laughs> uh, it. It just felt like nothing was ever good enough. Right. But you never knew which to judge by. You know, you would hear the same voices over and over again. But... You knew who was good and who wasn't, and based upon who got cast, which wasn't always the truth, well, but sure. you know how that goes. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it it always felt more harsh than it should have been. Oh, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's the trouble with, especially at that age. Yeah. Everybody's got something to prove. Oh, yeah. And we all want to show how smart we right. are. Right. We all have someone yeah. we're trying to impress because we want to get laid. And <laughs> all those things yep. braid into this cord you yeah. can't really untangle right we had gabrielle solange told us uh when she came on the podcast about art scars somebody says something to you in yep. your you know in those growing years of your your craft and it's a scar and stays with you that is probably one of the most poignant terms i'd ever heard was oh, like, that's that brilliant. makes so much sense and it does it sticks with you right. and that actually happened to me during fiddler that was my first real directing experience yeah, yeah. besides with kids. Because I had a college professor that basically made me think, nope, you're not good enough. Not going to be able to do it. Really? Yep. Yep. And, and honestly, he was just trying. Like, I'm looking in the studio like he's going to be here. But <laughs> Casey's watching. Right. You were not very nice. You were a jerk. Um, but no, I, it just wasn't. To take something that I thought might have made sense, and for me, going to Otterbein was just not. I didn't really know my place because oh. um, I studied BA theater with the initial attempt to teach, which I guess that worked out pretty well. But, I was going to say, clearly that. But at the time, it just meant that I didn't get cast. Um, so it was always this feeling of like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And then I didn't do it for eight years because it didn't seem like it was worth shooting for. You know, when you wow. get told no. And I, yeah, it was, it was a lot of art scars that I got from college. But... I also think that that's what kind of made me figure out my own path. Right. So it worked out in the end. It just took 20 years to get there. So. And as, I mean, as some of that, <clears throat> do those inf still inform the way you treat a student today? Do those help? Do those inform who you are on stage? I, th I don't know. That's a, really, that's a good question. Um, I think working in Columbus Theater has proved to me that that's not true. That there is, I am worth something, which oh. has been really nice. Hundred <laughs> percent. Just in case you need validated there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But, but I think that 
getting the opportunity to work with students, that actually helped to understand, like, don't let somebody tell you you're not good enough. If you hear that from here, go over here. Try it here. Try it here. Try this. If it's still not working, keep working on something different. Try a new avenue with it. But it, you know, to maybe over compliment as much as I can to just throw as much love sure, as I sure, can sure. at these students. Like they w- need without it. lying to them. Without absolutely w- not. Right. Nope. Without sugarcoating. I don't sugarcoat what is wrong. No. No, we work on this stuff. And right. it's like, but if you've put your work in, it's 90% not even about you. Yes. And that's the hardest thing for people to understand. It's important to remember you're mm-hmm. not being rejected as a person. This piece didn't work. Right. What you're doing here right. is not what right. is what didn't work. Yep. Yeah. And you probably see a lot of that. Oh yeah. You know, when it's when it is working and this was a great casting choice. Right. This might not the, have the, been. This, this perhaps was not the best casting choice because sometimes it's I can't figure out what this person in this play is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so you've been reviewing now for how many years? Six or seven. Okay. Seven or eight, maybe. How did you fall into it? Um, I'd heard through the, I'd been writing on a blog just about, I'd write about music. Mm-hmm. I'd just periodically, whatever struck me. Yeah. And I heard through the grapevine that the previous theater critic for the underground had flamed out and stormed out in the middle of an available light show and sent them an email both apologizing and listing out everything she thought was wrong with the show. Oh, my gosh. And so— and all companies. So, and— Like, well, the I mean, nicest, so, most some, talented company in town. Some, oh of their stu- some of their stuff is inapproachable if yeah. you're not— Yeah. If you're not on its level, if you're not prepared right. for it. Right, On its level is a bad way of saying that. But if you're not prepared yeah. for it, yeah. some of their stuff is a little abstract. Yeah. I find that— I mean, it, completely biased, you're one of my favorite reviewers because you don't treat it like a book report, because you don't delve into one thing about how this brought down the entire— No, you look at it as a whole, and yeah, there's weak parts and there's strong parts, but I'm going to mention both. Right, right. Because that's what it is. Right. But it's also very clear as to why you thought that. You know. that's, what I, that's what I try for, right? Because honestly, my opinion of something is the least important part of mm-hmm. writing a review. Yeah. Nope. Nobody really cares. And to an extent, it's nice if someone can tell the kind of things I'm likely to like or not. Yeah. That gives them a baseline. Right. But beyond that, what I'm trying to do is give you the clearest impression of what I saw Mm -hmm. as I saw it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of factors that go into that, too, of – did you see it opening night? Right. Did you see it the third weekend? You know, exactly. there's going to be a lot of different things that happen between those two time periods. Or was half the cast sick and out with COVID? Like uh, one time, I, I specifically didn't review something because of that, mm-hmm. I, and I sent them an email. I I was flying in. Mm-hmm. I got an email saying the main actor was out, and they were being replaced by the artistic director of the company. Okay, and it was rough. It was. Yeah. It was a. Pre- I. It felt like a late rehearsal instead of yeah. the end of the first weekend of the show. Yeah. And I and I shot them an email. I copied my editor. I'm like, I don't. I want to be completely transparent on this. I don't believe what I saw that night was representative. Yeah. Of what this production looks like right. any other time. Right. And if I could work it in my schedule, I would reschedule mm-hmm. and do it another time. Yeah. Second weekend's completely out. Right. My outlet won't run something if there isn't the whole weekend mm-hmm. to see, which mm-hmm. is reasonable because you want someone reading it to be able to buy tickets. Yep. 
Yeah. I'm like, I'm really sorry. My hands are tied, but I, I don't feel. No, I, I, I think that's, I think that's smart though. Cause that's not fair to, it's not yeah. fair to the company. It's not fair to the cast. And it was a director I'd never reviewed before. I'm just like, no, I would feel like a jackass. Yeah. This. Yeah. That's so hard. Especially in the last couple of years with so many, so many actors having to be understudied and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. I, I was just emailing with Dionysia trying to reschedule my yeah. scene on Color Purple. Color Purple. Were you supposed to go this weekend? Yeah. Okay. I always try to do something the first weekend. Is that hard? Like, do you feel like sometimes you're there too early? A little bit. Okay. There, there have been a couple times where I'm like, man, I wonder if they if they were just on the edge of getting it. Yeah. Sometimes I have that feeling. And there were a couple yeah. times there were technical issues. And like Rick Gore from Short North Stage shot me an email or like, yeah, we we're trying to fix that. And we and the new, you know, speaker cabinet mm-hmm. we were waiting for mm-hmm. just did not come through in time. Fair enough. But, and I also try to only bring that stuff up if it diminishes my experience. Right. Which it can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it does make a difference sometimes. (laughs) But when you, what was the first review? Do you remember? Um, First review was She Kills Monsters by Available Life. What? Because I, yep. And I think maybe the first thing I saw you in. Probably, because I, it had been a while before I, yeah. Did I have a, I didn't even have a second child at that point. Wow. I don't think. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's a couple of years ago. That would have been, what, 2009? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, shit, it's been more years than I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because my first show was with with Evolution way, way, way back when Paul still was in charge of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was Little Dog Laughed. Okay. I... Did I see that, or did I just mean to see that? I didn't get I don't to it. Know. I'm not sure, but I but I distinctly remember. I remember your performance particularly in She Kills Monsters, and that was the first thing I had written about for my blog, and then I repurposed oh. it as my first C review. What a, that was a dream show. It really was. That was great. There was a night that the fire alarm went off, um, and it was. I think that was probably the first time I actually got to use improv on stage because Whitney and I decided to incorporate it within. The scene, because nobody really knew what to do at that point. And it was because Christmas Carol was going on next door oh, with Catco. Yeah, 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 yeah. And their fog machine sort of went kaput <laughs> and started. Worked too well. Worked very, very foggy, <laughs> very ominous fog. So that we had to, I don't think we ended up clearing everybody out, but we just tried to play it <laughs> off as long as possible. <laughs> and that was the fun, because we always had the backstage antics of She Kills Christmas, I think is what we called it, nice. of the two cast together. <laughs> but uh, that was that was a beautiful show. Oh, yeah. And Ian's kind of the reason that I got back into theater oh, really? in the first place. Yep. He's a Gahanna. I was going to say, I know you guys were both Gahanna, but he's, we're, there's a 10-year gap. 10-year gap, yep. But just to, you know, Otterbein is such a small... Uh, alumni community yeah, that we that all kind sense. of stay in touch and that sort of thing but no he convinced me to audition for the evolution show in 2008 oh that's awesome <clears throat> a couple of years ago <laughs> um, yep yeah only one kid then too so that was the first and then do you like how many do you do in a week i i have a limit of five a month i've got okay. five a month they'll okay. pay for and the, well but that's the thing because schedules are so tightly linked and i get it mm-hmm. you want people to be auditioning at the same time yeah you want it it's not fair to the actor if everything's more staggered than it is right i i respect the hell out of that yeah however it means things like because i had to move color purple next week i'm reviewing three shows Actually, yeah. next if we go Sunday to Sunday, it's, I'm doing four shows oh from gosh. this upcoming Sunday to the following Sunday. Ugh. I've got um, 
um, Drums of War on Sunday. I've okay. got the new available light, um, the Jackie Sibley's Jury yep. Play on Thursday. I've got... No, wait, it is. Yeah. Oh, and, the, and yeah, the third one is... I feel like something else, but color purple. So. Okay. Jeez. All right, answer me this. Yes. This is, I'm, I'm very curious about this. You don't take notes while you're in the performance. If it's something with sketches, if it's something with shorts, I will take notes because I get too easily confused. But no. Okay. If, if, it's, if it's a standard narrative play, no. How do you remember everything? I'm lucky to have a relatively good memory despite okay. what I drink. Um, <laughs> and I'm lucky and I... I always try to get a plus one. Sometimes, okay. sometimes somebody bails, but if, but having somebody to bounce an opinion off is good. Right on. Okay. Do you sort of when the show is done, do you just sort of like piece through it? And I so I either either I talk it through with Anne or somebody else yeah. afterwards, or I'm jotting down notes on my way home or on my way to the next thing, and okay. then I try to sleep on it and write it the next day. That's smart. In a perfect world, I'd have a couple days to sit on it, but every day is time someone could see the show, and I don't do that. I just, I don't know how you keep track of all that. I I can't remember. I have to, I used to do the adjudication with Kappa Marquee Awards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have pages of notes. And I've seen people do that. I've seen, I sat next to Kurt Zielenbach um, from the the roundtable, and he was taking a bunch of notes. I'm like, I I try not to do that because it's distracting. It is distracting. around me. Yeah. I get I, that. And, I mean, here's the thing, and I always hope for a general admission show, but I've actually gotten Christy Fon back at the Contemporary to give me seats further back than they think mm, are good. Yeah. Because if I do want to take a note, if it's an actor I've it's never not, heard of, and I'm not sure what the, and I need to remember what the name of that character is, right. so I will take a couple mm-hmm. notes, I want to be away from people. I no, that makes want, sense. I don't yeah. want to disrupt somebody else's experience. Right. Do you find that people know when you're there do you ever get that yeah. weird like oh he's here today and then they treat it differently well, it was and- funny i was at and again this some of this just speaks to what a small world columbus is i was That's at true. natalie's the old one in worthington mm-hmm. a friend of mine's band was doing a christmas show okay and his wife comes over and gives me a hug i'm like hey laura how's it going and she goes so it's funny my daughter's dating a guy who was in that last mad lab thing you reviewed and he'd like to meet you i'm like Sure. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, it was a positive it was a good review. review. Okay, good. Like, right. Luck, like, how did luckily, it go? Luckily, it was positive. And the black guy went away a week later. But yes. Have people ever attacked? I'm sure it's happened. Have people attacked you about reviews couple before? times. couple times. What do you do about that? I mean, you, you I know take, there's not much. You take it on the chin. Yeah. Sometimes, if, first, same thing with any criticism. Is there merit to it? Did I actually fuck this up? Right. That's that's always got to be my first question. Yeah. And second, th- then it turns into sometimes it's a learning experience of, huh, maybe there's a better way I could have phrased that. There's a particular example, and I'm going to shave the serial numbers off this as much as I can. <laughs> so hopefully no one's going to see themselves in it. Right. But there was a series of shorts by a company I generally like. It was in a great space and was out of town. So I had dinner at Lindy's and, a, mm. and, and bullshit with the bartender. And mm-hmm. I'm having a, and it's a beautiful day outside. So I took this nice long walk through German Village for it. I am primed to love whatever the hell's going on. Yeah. And the first three of the things, I didn't love any of them, but I liked them all. Yeah. They were pretty good. Okay. The longest and sadly the most ambitious. So I was rooting for it. Mm-hmm. Thing at the end was this family road trip drama hmm. with a couple, I think they were supposed to be surreal touches. There was a talking dog, but almost no other magic realism or other surreal elements. Okay. And that wasn't even the problem. That was just it's like, okay, this isn't quite, this isn't very good. This is, 
I like what it's going for, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit off. But then whenever this family would interact with somebody in the rest of society, mm -hmm. those people were all horrific stereotypes. Hmm. Like, and because those people were all the guy at the gas station, the waitress at the diner. So every time yeah. this relatively comfortable, you would see them in a Wes Anderson upper middle class family interacted with somebody who was poor. Those people were not quite yokels, but mm. not very far off. Okay. And I and it took me a minute. To, and there was one sequence where I was pretty sure they were making this present a speech impediment and it was being mm. used for laughs. Oh. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, I, I, this wasn't very good. Yeah. I didn't think this was that kind of play. Yeah. Why is this suddenly taking cheap shots at all these all these people who aren't in this little in-group? Mm -hmm. Especially when I think the theme is empathy. Right. And and so I wrote all that, and I get this email from a friend of the playwright mm. who accused me of calling the playwright Donald Trump, oh. who, who was really hurt by Ooh. that review. Okay. And he said— um, how was he? How was it he phrased that? He said, he said it, was, it was the most savage thing I've ever read in a review. And this is someone who's an actor in the community. This is someone who has read Scaly. Uh, who I, I guarantee has, has had worse things said about mm -hmm. things he was in. Yeah. But respect for taking up for your friend. And I kept going back and forth. I went back and forth a little bit. And I'm like, I, I didn't know anything about who the writer was or anyone. Right. Involved, they all four of these things were directed by the same person. Okay. There were and oh, and the other thing he said was all those character things that turned these people into bouffanted stereotypes were from the director. They weren't in the script. And I could show you the script to prove that. Okay. And I'm like, all four of these things were directed by the same person. Three of them were directed sensitively. Why, how in the world was I supposed right. to know that? Right. But also, and also we as we talked more, we finally came down to he had a problem with me saying the play instead of the production. Gotcha. And that was an interesting learning moment for me. And okay. it's one of the challenges of doing new work. I know what a Guys yeah. and Dolls looks like. True. I know what an August yeah. I know what an August of Age County looks like. Mm -hmm. I know what a Hamlet looks mm -hmm. like. When I when you're trying to do something new, you do have to talk about what it's about. And right. you do have to try to interpret yeah. what's in the source mm -hmm. versus what's the interpretation. Right. Right. With in ways that are always going to be imperfect. That's true. Well, and especially for something that's written by somebody local. Yes. That's even more challenging because you realize what a, a wall right. you're up against no, ma no matter what you say one way or the other. Absolutely. And, and you don't want to crush somebody to the point of they're, they're mm -hmm. not, they never do it again. True. Right? And, yeah. I, and, yeah. I, and I told him that. I'm like, okay, no, that's, that's a fair comment. Mm -hmm. But the problems I had were still the problems with the production. Yeah. And he, and he comes back and goes, yeah, I want to see it again. And the thing I think you were talking about, the speech impediment, that character is supposed to be shy. Like, well, it did not come off that way at all. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah. my dander was up because it was the third scene where these other people who are of a similar socioeconomic class mm -hmm. are being made fun of. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And it's hard. I know it's hard to please everybody. No, I mean, I, I get that, right? you know. And right. one of my favorite comments from people is, oh, it's my least favorite show, but you did a great job with it. I always love that comment. And I get it because I've seen those and oh. I've been to those too. Yeah. Namely, Rent. Can't stand it. They did a great performance. And I, I you, enjoyed it. So you were the did. one high school girl of our age who did not like Rent. Well, there's a reason. Okay. It was my boyfriend, his car radio died. And so he just sang it incessantly. 
that would he do ruined it. it. Yeah, he right. truly ruined it for me. And that was like the only thing, he, and he could kind of sing, <laughs> kind of, but it was just over and over and over again. Yeah, it turned me off of that. Okay, Pearl no, Jam fair. was the same way for a long time too. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. No, I'm not a Pearl Jam fan. <laughs> is it is it difficult to go into a reviewing situation just with a completely open mind, especially if you've seen the show before, you've seen the company before? Is it hard not to sort of yes. Pre-assume things. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. I try to. I try not to do that as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But you, again, we're not, we're not a very big town. I've no. seen most of the actors I'm going to see. That's I've true. seen the work of most of the directors. Mm-hmm. I've, and I've also seen a lot of theater in my life. You've seen a lot of theater. Yeah. I'm not. So it's. I try. I try to put that to the side as much as possible, and I always try to leave it open to surprise. Yeah. But there's no such thing as a perfectly beginner's mind there's not. on that. Well, it's kind of nice to go into something sort of knowing what to expect. Sometimes that helps. Yeah. Sometimes that helps a lot. Yeah. And th- to your point about it's my least favorite show. There are times I've seen a production so good it's turned me around on a show. Um, Fair. Little Shop of Horrors. I've never mm-hmm. cared for. Okay. That short North stage show was so well done. Yeah. I walked out going, I get it now. And I immediately stopped. I didn't even make it a block away to the bar and texted my friend, best friend since high school. Yeah. And said, hey, Leslie, you should really go see mm-hmm. this. It was That's the first awesome. thing she saw with her mom on the touring Broadway company. Aww. And I'm like, you should go see this. Oh, that's This awesome. is as good as you're going to see this. this Good job, uh, Tom. Tom has a podcast here, too. Oh, nice. So we're just going, uh, <laughs> Tom's a great director. Yeah, that uh, it's actually one of my favorite shows. So nice. it was not hard for me to like it because I grew up on the movie. Oh, yeah. So that was always sort of a, a sad admittance that I will never fit anything in that show except maybe Orrin Scrivello if they decide, <laughs> I'd play a damn good dentist. I really think I'm Oh, good. yeah, I can get that. Yeah. yeah. That Gaston, Javert, I want to play the male <laughs> villain. You got a little of that when you were the torture in... Um... Yeah, a little bit of that. That was great. <laughs> Except the greasy hair. Oh, you know? yeah. It was, that was a lot of grease. They gave me this cool outfit from the Met. I'm like, this is awesome. Oh, yeah, They're costume like, was great. Now we're going to grease your hair. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I felt pretty for a minute. <laughs> that's all right. I don't get the pretty characters. I never was an ingenue, so I don't know what that's like. Huh. Never. Nope. Interesting. What are some of your favorite shows? I mean, not necessarily Columbus, but what are some of your favorites? Um, The show that got me interested in theater in the first place was Sweeney Todd. That videotaped PBS, uh, George Hearn, Angel Lansbury, Sweeney Todd. Mm. So scary. And so so Sondheim has been a big thing. Like, I... Assassins came out when we mm. were 11, mm-hmm. I think, or 12. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got that early in the high school. Okay. And that is, has always been a favorite show of mine. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, of contemporary people, Annie Baker. Ann and I saw the mm-hmm. aliens at Rattlestick on one of our New York trips. Okay. And it was one of those shows that the first act kept bugging me. I'm like, why? Mm. Why don't I like these people? Why don't I? And I couldn't. And then there's this moment where Michael Chernis, who's gone on to be at a bunch of TV stuff, I think, he he says, frogmen sing together. And they all burst into song. And for whatever reason, that whole world opened up for me. Hmm. She did a similar, Annie Baker did a translation of Uncle Vanya I saw at Soho Rep. Okay. And it was um, 
Michael Shannon as Astrov and Reed Bernie as Vanya. And okay. it's this astonishing cast. It's a 99-seat room. And we're all sitting on bleachers three. Yeah. On, on three sides of, of the thing. And there's this moment where Michael Shannon is this far away from me. And he goes, I've come to the decision. We're all creeps. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Um, so her writing is always something I seek out. Okay. Uh, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. Ugh, I saw the yes. comeuppance um, oh. off Broadway this past summer, and it was I get I get in. I've had a few drinks at, at Rudy's, talking to an old bartender friend of mine and another regular, and I walk in. They're like two hours and fifteen minutes, no intermission. And I'm like, that's a goddamn card trick. You are fucking with me. Yeah. Telling me two hours and fifteen minutes and no intermission, but <clears throat> I was enraptured. Yeah. I could not believe how good it was and how well executed every piece of this was. He's what, 30-something? Yeah, he's younger than you and I. Uh He's mid-30s, I think. So good. Yes. I love all of his stuff. Oh, yeah. My little guy got to be in Appropriate when they did it with Available Life. Oh, nice. Yeah, which was... Different. I mean, that, that had to be some conversations, it, right? Well, yeah. David Glover directed that, in, which yeah. was wonderful, and it was. He's such a teacher, a, also, right? He is a teacher, so he knew how to speak to a little guy. And right. I think Gabe was seven at the time. That sounds right. Yep. And so he said, "You know, you're going to have a pillowcase on your head. Yep. You're going to run down the stairs crying." And Gabe has a natural, inherent understanding of being on stage, which is great. Um, and he did fine. There were a couple incidents of where David said, um, can you remind Gabe at curtain call that he shouldn't dab at the end of it? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Or turn to the audience and go, ah, at the end just to get some laughs. Cause I because he didn't understand what was sure, right. What was actually right. happening on stage right. and how horrifically gut-wrenching it was. Right. Um, and there are a lot of laughs in that play. Oh, yeah. But they're not not for that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and that was his first time on stage. It unfortunately too was because there was a stipend for him to be. After that, he just expected that he would get paid for any stage performance, like the little diva that he is. And even there was even one audition. He goes, "And so, how much do they pay?" And I was like, "Dude, that was that was like a one-time thing." It's good to set boundaries early, right? It's good uh-huh, to know your worth. Sort of. Um, also, let's be realistic. Yes. We are in Columbus, after all. No. That was, he did a really great, and it was to the point too where one of us would stay backstage with him. We didn't have to. After a while, he knew his cues and he knew when it was time. He played his little Nintendo Switch every night. And there was one night, I think David and I went out to Condado during the show because they were fine. (laughs) Like, let's go have a margarita. Totally. It was a snowstorm that night too, I remember. But now that, I mean, Available Light is always one of my favorite Columbus companies, mostly just because of the people, but also the work that they do is so intelligent. Yes. I always feel like I'm too dumb necessarily <laughs> to, to understand most of it, but I love what they do and the challenges they take with what their material is. And Me too. They're, they're who got me back into local theater. I mean, mm. I would see stuff in New York because I've been visiting New York since I helped the buddy move there in 2002. Yeah. Um, but... I and I would usually see what the Wexford Center brought in, mm-hmm. but I was so burned out on seeing a bunch of bad local theater over time yeah. that I I think before, before when Available Light did Dead City, mm-hmm. Ann and I went. It was the first year we were dating, I think, or maybe eighteen months in, mm-hmm. and I was so blown away. I bought a subscription for the mm-hmm. next year and had one until I ended up starting getting paid. Yeah, for yeah, writing um, for CU in general, and before that, I don't. I think the last. 
play I'd seen locally produced was when Katku did Top Dog Underdog. Four or five years prior to that, I don't even remember that. Okay, uh, it was good. It was a, it, yeah. was a, it was a good production of it. Yeah, but I had just, and I'm sure there was good stuff I missed in those intervening mm-hmm. years. I had just sat through so much Dribble. work I <laughs> couldn't deal with. I don't. I don't know if I could do it. It's hard for. I think COVID did a number on me. I'm not great at sitting through shows anymore. Oh, interesting. It. Which is surprising to me because I do love the theater so much, right. but there's so it requires so much to to hold me that long anymore. Right. I mean, I even loved, I loved my production of Fiddler on the Roof. I didn't watch it that often. <laughs> like I know it's going to happen. I That's made right. it happen. I don't need to watch it again. <laughs> right. You guys are good, right? <laughs> but no, I, it's hard for me to sit through an entire production and really just stay engaged the entire time, even with movies. Sometimes now. I'm shocked that that happened to me. Right. But I don't oh, know. attention span. I mean, I, I have to fight it too. I have to, yeah. I want to see a movie. I'm trying to make it out to see it in the theater mm-hmm. because I cannot resist that pull of my phone or a book or nope. some other distraction. Yep. I'm trying to watch it at home. What's your favorite movie? Oh, shit. I know this is like choosing children. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but, man, that's a hard one. Let's Let's go for this. One of your top five, so you can narrow it down a little bit. Okay. Um, maybe just because I was wandering around in Brooklyn a lot this past weekend, mm-hmm. do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I saw that as soon as it hit VHS when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 9, somewhere okay. in there. And I'd never seen a movie like that. Yeah. I'd never seen something that was so vibrant looking, but also trying to work with the rhythms of how people actually spoke. Okay. I've never seen it. Really? I'm a terrible movie person. We weren't allowed to watch much as kids, so I'm uh, okay. a lot of time catching up. <laughs> See, my parents did not censor anything much. Um, okay. My my dad was always, my parents were both big readers also. They were mm-hmm. like, read any book, yeah. you know, read any movie, we'll, like, we'll talk about it. They yeah. Be, but no, I. It's an art form. Yes. Yeah. Have you always been a reader then too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. If I if I don't if I go a couple of weeks where I'm so fried or so busy I don't I'm not I don't have a book in progress mm-hmm. I start to itch a little. Okay, are you a, a physical book or e-reader? I'm or? much more e-reader these days, okay. and I didn't think that change would happen. And got me a Kindle for travel five years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. and I resisted it for maybe nine months. Okay, but it's so easy to get have something just show up on it, and mm-hmm. it's so easy to not have to take two books whenever I'm getting on a plane somewhere. Yep. I haven't made the switch. I'm still a physical book person. My dad's the same way. My mom yeah. kind of straddles the line of both, but okay. I, I get it. You are you are not alone in my friends No, there. I will do the audiobooks, which I enjoy quite a bit. Audiobooks I have a hard time with. I have a okay. hard time with my attention not drifting. That's fair. I find that because I'm in the car. Okay. And there's literally nothing else I can do. That's when I can focus on it. That makes sense. But I won't listen to it anywhere outside the car or uh, in an airplane. Even an airplane I can't do. I can do a physical book on an airplane. But I'm the kind of person that I'll buy the book for the trip, right. read it the day before I leave, and then be like, right. oh, what well, next? that yes. was nice. Okay. Candy crush on the plane <laughs> it is. <laughs> used to have that problem also. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you... If you had the option of theater film, what would it be? That, for me, they give me such different experiences. Mm-hmm. For me, film is more about luxuriating in the sensation. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. For me, theater is a more concentrated dose of emotion. Yeah. Theater is a more, maybe a more nuanced understanding of psychology. Mm-hmm. But film is just kind of, you know, I can be watching the most serious art house film of all time and have, by God, I've got a popcorn and a cherry Coke. The only soda I ever drink in, the, in my life is at a movie theater, right? I see that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a treat. Right, right, right. right. I had but it's also, pretzel bites. It's also part of the experience. Right. Exactly. Yes. I get a snack when I watch this. Right. It's like a Pavlov yeah. type thing. But Oh, yeah, no. I, a bunch of friends and I went to see The Iron Claw, and there's a trailer for American Fiction. I'm like, oh, my God, I love that Percival Everett novel. I read mm. that back in college. And but and I, I say that while throwing Bob Gordon yep. in my mouth yep. like, like a 10-year-old. That's the way it should be, <laughs> yes. right? What is, I know this, again, is like choosing children. What's your favorite Columbus show you've seen over the years? Oh, man. I know it's hard to narrow down, but. Narrowing narrowing down to one is hard. Um, Or one that you would see again. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Let me think on that for a sec. God, that that first production of She Kills Monsters, Mm -hmm. that's up there. Um, The, oh, the. The previous play by the writer of Able Light is doing this week, Jackie Silvey's Drury. We are proud to present. I didn't see that. One. Oh my God. It was mm. wrenching, but so good. Yeah. Um, other Available Light, How We Got On. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so, but both of those things, I want to say we're back to back that season. And you have this, and they both dealt with race and class to an mm-hmm. extent, but one was just this pitch black comedy, and the other was this beautiful celebration of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that one company could do both of those, yeah. I remember sticking with me. Yeah. Um, but I, so I would definitely watch either of those again. Um, I'm sure there's something else I'm, that I will kick myself when I walk out of here. Is there a show that you just you mentioned not liking Little Shop of Horrors before? Is there another show that you're just kind of like? There are a couple shows. My, one of my big things is I try not to see something too frequently. Okay. Like, I mean, I, I saw saw three different versions of a Christmas Carol this December in a death march decision. Yeah. Yep. I'm not sure a wise man would have made. No. Um, I also. I was in one. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but um, I don't need to see a Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf for a while. Okay. I love that play. I yeah. saw it three times in the first year and a half I was reviewing, but I didn't think I could turn anything down. Mm. and I don't think I need to see that for a very long no. time. No. Or I don't think I need to see True West ever again. Okay. Again, That's not a rough it's, a, it's a play I like, yeah. but everybody did it for a few years. Okay. Um, it was like the the repetition of the years. This is more high school more so, but like the Legally Blonde year and the Shrek year oh, yes. and the Mean Girls year. Right. I think we're still in the Mean Girls year, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Everybody's that sounds doing right. it. Uh-huh. There was an Oliver year for a while there, and... It's a lot. Yeah, right. Guys and Dolls is probably another one. I, yeah. lo- I love those songs, but I don't need to ever see it again. I mean, and here's the thing. If, in case anyone who's looking at making any of these shows, I'm open to being pitched on what's different about mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. But. It's hard to change it, though. Yes. You know, we joked about Fiddler becoming like, let's make it a puppet show that takes place in 1980s New York. I mean, sure. obviously none of that. Sure, sure. But you can't mess with the story sometimes. Right, it's right. hard to make it different. Right. We altered a little bit of the ending. Yeah. But not changing it entirely. You know, it's like this is a beautiful story that doesn't need to be altered right. greatly. Right. You know, it's right. more what what you do with it during the production. And I don't want to change 
anything so drastically that it takes away from what was initially meant to be there, you know? No, absolutely. And that's, and that's something to be, and also if you're doing a show, you should be doing it for the people who already like the show. Yep. Trying to do too wild a take to re- to really impress that asshole who made fun of it when you were in high school right. is not it's usually not a recipe for success. No. Almost never no. works. Nope. And if it takes away from what was intended, right. then you've ruined it. Yeah. That's not what was written. You know, it's sort of like when you're going to cut things from something, well, like, that's what they wanted that fit. Right. And I don't like to mess with that very no, much. That's, so. that's, a, that's a tricky line. It is. Now, of course, were there things I would have liked to cut from productions? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Knock it down in 90 minutes. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. No, that's my cup of tea. What are you looking forward to seeing this year in big shows? Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Fairview, um, the Jackie mm-hmm. Silver's Jury I'm reviewing. Um, uh, Contemporary is doing a Dom- an interesting Dominique Morisseau play that I've read but never seen called mm-hmm. Skeleton Crew. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing what they do with that. Okay. Um, there's a Obi-winning play the Wexner's bringing next month. I'm going to hit Melissa Starker and see if I can get an interview to a preview okay. um, by this writer named Ayogawa. Okay. And it's called, it's called The Nosebleed. And huh. every, I've never seen any of her work, but the stuff I've read about it is, is really interesting. Interesting. Okay. Very good. What about the Broadway series? I know you don't review the Broadway series. The Broadway but... series, and I review them once in a while. Okay. Um, I, I enjoyed Milan Rouge more than I expected to. Okay. It was fun in a way. I yeah. did not like the movie. I had a, really? my biggest memory of Milan Rouge was having a lot of arguments in coffee shops because it was before I was old enough to drink, I think, about oh, yeah. with, with friends of mine who loved that movie so much. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I did like it, but I think the crush on you and McGregor helped quite a bit. Uh, that, that would help immensely. <clears throat> um. It did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we would have been 20. Right, I think 20. I think yeah, I think it came out the year we turned 21, uh-huh. but it came out early in the Something year. like that, yeah. If I recall. And that was the first year I saw The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, wow. That's one of my top ones. Nice, that's a good by one. By far, yep. And I, I remember the first showing of that one, so that must have been pretty impactful. Oh, wow, but, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Probably late, because it was, what, 90s? Yeah, late 90s. Okay, so it wasn't that late. Yeah. That's good, because I'm usually <laughs> really, really late on that. So where can people find you if they're interested in reading your articles or learning more about you, that um, sort of stuff? Yeah, so uh, Columbus Underground, authors Richard Sanford. Um, Pencil Storm, this uh, website that's run by Colin Gow from the band Watershed and Collins Coffee. Oh, who's nice. a good friend. And, yeah. A good friend. Um, I write for him occasionally. Okay. I've got a sub stack doing kind of previews of five things I'm interested in a week because I was missing that. Okay. Um, that's richardsanford.substack.com. Nice. So. Very good. Well, thank you so much. For uh, thank you for having me. Thanks this for chatting great. with me. And, you know, we'll edit all the bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you didn't Foxland Media. Think big.